Amen. Well, we're looking forward to Tuesday, and it'll be a lot of fun. And I know there's a lot of smoke right now, but let's just pretend like it's the glory of the Lord. <laughs> like, you know, the Bible said that uh, at Mount Sinai that smoke completely enveloped the mountain because the Lord had descended. So let's, uh, let's pretend like it's that. But seriously, for our, our uh, ranchers that live around here that attend our church, they are in desperate need of our prayers for rain. Amen. So let's pray for the former and the latter rain and uh, everything that God's Word calls us to. Amen. It's good to see you this morning. Good to be with you. And uh, we're just going to get right into the Word. The Lord has really been moving in this service and both of our services today. And uh, just I, I just really appreciate so much the presence of the Lord. Right now, we are in a series entitled DIY Discipleship, Do-It-Yourself Discipleship. And uh, we've been over the last couple of weeks uh, talking about things more related to, the, I guess, what I would call heart issues, uh, answering the call of discipleship. We've talked about prayer. We talked about abiding in Jesus, so the truth. We've talked about dealing with uh, kind of internal attitudes like the Pharisees. Um, and, you know, just things like that. But I really have felt like the Lord is, I feel a, kind of a, a shift or a turning of the corner and kind of get more into the nitty gritty of actually living out the call to discipleship. Our, our theme idea is found in John chapter 12, verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 12, rather, where Jesus said, these things you see me do, you shall do, and greater than these because I go to the Father, right? So... Discipleship isn't just about being, it's about doing. It's about doing the things Jesus did. And I, over the next few weeks, we're going to get real practical about what Jesus did and how we can step into that ourselves and actually do those things. And in fact, I had a, when I was in here yesterday, I had a moment to be in here and just and spend some time in prayer, and I was praying about it. And I was just like, God, I really need to hear from you. I, you know, along about three or four weeks into a ser series, I'm like, this was a mistake. I, you know, I shouldn't have been doing this, you know. And, uh, you know, and I was grappling with, but I just said, God, I just need to, I need you to give me some uh, confirmation or just, you know, just give me something to go on. And um, I felt like the Lord gave me a memory. Within 30 seconds, I, I just felt like the Lord gave me a memory, and it was a memory of my son. One day, I was um, with my son, Seth, and my son, Seth, was always a hands-on kind of child. He, was, he had to be doing it with his own hands, whatever. He, he was just, he was always out. He was always playing. He always had a stick in his hand. He was always, you know, there was always something that, and whenever he did it, he had to do it with his hands, right? So... He didn't talk much, but he, he did a lot of stuff. And that didn't go well either when he got older as a teenager. It's like, okay, we need to talk. No. Um, but anyway, when he was a little kid, I remember showing him. I don't even remember what it was that I was showing him how to do something. And so I, so I showed him how to do it, and then I let him do it. And I noticed almost right away that he was not going to do it right. And so, I, as a loving father, decided that I was going to step in and just kind of do it for him. Because, you know, if you want anything done right, you got to do it yourself. 
right? And uh, so that was my, I, I just, it was instinctive in me. My poor kids, man, oh my gosh. And so it was instinctive in me just to take over and do it because it wasn't going to be done right. And my son, literally, he's like, Dad, let me do it. And I remember I just, whoa, you know, it was just a moment like where I'm, I want him to know how to do it, but I'm taking away the opportunity for him. And I felt like the Lord said to me, it's the opposite with me and my kids. I want them to do it. And they want me to take it away from them. Oh, Lord, you, you just do it. God, I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess this up, Lord. You, here, you, you said I should do this. and then, But God, you need to do this. I can't do this. And I really feel like what the Lord is trying to say to us in these few weeks together over this idea is that I'm not going to step in and take it away from you. I want you to do it. That's why I came. I didn't just come to dig you out of a hole every time you fall into one. I've shown you how to get up out of that hole. You can do this. Not without me, but because of me, you can. I'm not going to take this out of your hands. You want to you wanna do what I've been doing? I want you to do it. I want you to do it. And today I want to talk about this idea that Jesus wants us to build the kingdom. He wants us to be kingdom builders. And this is a call to action message. I know it's summer. I know it's the lazy days, it's the dog days of summer, but this is a call to action, to build the kingdom. Let me read you some scriptures to begin with, where Jesus says some things, and then I'll read one about Paul here in a moment, but it says in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I want you to possess my kingdom. I want you to have it. And then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never be able to stop it. That's the idea behind those words. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. So that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So right now, Jesus said, the Father delights to give you the kingdom. Then Jesus turns around and says, and I'm giving you the keys, the ideas, the responsibility, the authority, the 
I'm giving you everything that you have need of to make access to the purpose of God in the earth. I'm giving it to you. He wants to give you the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Then the Apostle Paul, let's look at how he says it. He says it different but the same. He said, according to the grace of God which was given to me. He gave me keys. He's given me a kingdom. According to the grace of God given to me as a wise master builder. I like that. That's confidence. I'm a builder. He said, I have laid a foundation and another builds on it. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm doing what I do. But he said, but let each one take heed how he builds. In other words, I'm not the only builder. The pastor's not the only builder. The evangelist is not the only builder. You're all builders in the kingdom of God. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're a builder of the kingdom of God in the earth today. You may not be building, but you're supposed to be. And here's the foundation. There is no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen, church? Now let me get my notes in order. Father, I pray that your grace would be upon these next few moments. Help me to convey your heart clearly and fully in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Hopefully I'll do this a little better this service. Last service I did a lot of yelling and I'll try to calm down. Jesus' message and his ministry centered on these words. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything he came to do was to establish the rule and the reign of God in the earth. In fact, the kingdom, when, the, when you read about the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, those are interchangeable terms oftentimes. And they represent the here and the, and the, here and the now, but also the beyond. And it's all kind of already not yet kind of idea. The kingdom of God is here, and it's now, and it's a place we're going to experience in eternity forever and ever. But what is meant by the idea of the kingdom of God? Well, kingdom is where the king is. That's a kingdom. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven and we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about there is a rule and a reign of a king right now. And you're not it. Jesus is the king of kings and Jesus is the Lord of Lords. And he came back not only to rescue us from sin's power, but to restore to us the dominion that God intended for, for every one of us from the very beginning. And he alone won that back. And in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he won back the title deed of the earth. And now he possessed 
possesses all authority. But here, guess what? He doesn't keep it to himself. He's transmitted his authority to every one of us. So just like he came preaching the kingdom of God, now he says, now I want you to go living the kingdom of God. I want you in my rule and in my reign to step into that authority and now you take it on for yourself. This is your business now. I started it and I'm going to finish it through you. I started this thing and I'm going to finish this thing, but now it's going to be through you. And we get so tied up sometimes, don't you want Jesus just to come back sometimes? Like, come Lord Jesus. And he's like, in due time. Meanwhile, I want you to be going. I'll come someday, but I want you to be after it. Amen. So, we as disciples of Jesus Christ, I think, if we're going to operate as disciples of the Lord, we need to have an understanding that we are a kingdom people that we have a kingdom purpose and that there is kingdom power available to every one of us. We are kingdom people with a kingdom purpose full of kingdom power to accomplish what the Lord has given to us. Amen. So I want to do, what I want to do in the next few moments is kind of do like what Paul said, but let everyone take heed how he builds. We're building. We're builders of the kingdom. How do we do this? How does, what does this look like? How does this play out in my everyday life? And so I want to, what I want to do in the next couple of moments, I have just four ideas that I want to share with you, that we can, things that we can learn from Jesus on building the kingdom and what it means to be kingdom builders. And I can do this sermon today in the key of E. So, so here it goes. Number one, as kingdom builders, we need to embody the mission of the kingdom. We need to embody it. Now the word embody means literally we need to represent or to materialize the mission of the kingdom. We need to, the kingdom mission should be a living reality out of our own lives. It is not a set of values or a vision or mission statement of a, of a movement or an organization. It is something that has to do with us personally, physically, in our body, in our being. One day the Pharisees came to Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, and they asked him, they said, when will the kingdom of God be, when will it come? And Jesus said to them that the kingdom of God uh, is not with observation. It does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. I'm not putting it in an organization. I'm not even putting it in a great outpouring or a revival that you can attend. The kingdom is within you. In you. The rule and reign of my authority is in you. 
If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God has come on the inside of you and made you a brand new creature, and now you have been invested in the transmission of Jesus' authority. It now resides in you. You are walking, talking kingdom of God. You. Not the other people. You. You're the one. It is within you. And we need to embody this, like literally in our being, in our very body. This is why Paul said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is how you serve God with your whole being. It isn't just songs you sing on Sunday. It isn't just believing a creed. It's living out the reality of Jesus presence on the inside of you embody this Jesus everywhere he went when he went around he embodied the mission of the kingdom of God and in fact in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 7 it says these words it says therefore when he came when Jesus came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you do not desire but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. You prepared this house for me. And what am I to do with this? The will of God. The will of God. Did you know that the Lord wrote about you in a book before you were ever in existence? Did you know that? So go home and read Psalms 139. The Bible said, In my mother's womb you knew me, and in your book were written all the days of my life before there was ever yet one of them. Amen. And so, God wants you to understand that you have been created with purpose. And he wants you to embody the mission of the kingdom and take it in. And this is what Jesus did. So, Jesus understood that this body that he lived in was prepared for him. And so, he was going to live it out. He was going to do God's will. And so, what we see in Jesus is everywhere he went, a little village Mass crowds, one lone individual, demonized, sick, whatever the case, where Jesus was, everywhere he went, he brought the will of God to bear upon that situation. He knew that he was there to do the will of God. He wasn't there to just you know, fill in the space or just pass time or this is just, this is just something I'm going through. He knew that he lived to do the will of God. He embodied the mission. It was a part of him. He lived it out, whether he's in the synagogue or not. Hey, Amen. Come on out there. Don't be so quiet on me. I go extra long. No. I know I got to be quick today. So do you realize what's on the inside of you? 
Do you realize, I mean, do you fully understand that the kingdom of God is within you? We are Christ characters, or characters, yeah. We are Christ carriers. We are characters, some of us, aren't we? I look at Isaac. No. We are Christ carriers. Like Jesus, listen, we literally materialize the kingdom of God in the earth. And we bring the will of God to bear on every situation. Wherever we work, wherever you live, whatever you do, you are the kingdom in that place, in that situation. But I think so, too many of us don't, don't fully realize what Paul prayed for every Christian to realize their calling, their inheritance, and the exceeding greatness of His power. Many of us don't think we're called. Many of us don't realize the inheritance that we have, and we certainly don't think we have the power to do anything. But Paul was praying for Christians, not for sinners, when he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of His calling, what is the, uh, uh, the inheritance of... Uh, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward you. We live our lives thinking, no, none of that's true of me. And that's the lie. Stop believing it. Amen. Amen. So we need to embody the mission of the kingdom. Secondly, we need to envision the possibilities of the kingdom. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, he said, it says that Jesus answered Nicodemus and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a godly man. He genuinely wanted to honor God. So he sought Jesus out one day. He was a Pharisee. And he's like, we know you're from God, but we don't get it. We don't understand. And Jesus says, you've got to be born again. He's like, oh, I don't understand that. How do I, what's that mean? What's that look like? You know, that's, that's kind of like a mind that has not been born again. Like we don't get what God is, I mean, these spiritual things. But then Jesus made this statement to him. He said, when you're born again, you'll see. Your eyes will be opened. You'll see the kingdom. And we oftentimes look at that and think, well, that means you'll go to heaven someday. And that does entail that. But I don't think that was what Jesus, because Nicodemus was confused and he couldn't see the reality of who Jesus was and what God was doing in the earth. But he says, when the Spirit comes, Nicodemus, and he's going to come, and he's going to transform your lives. He's going to open your eyes, and you're going to see the kingdom of God. You're going to see it. You're going to see things as they really are. You're going to see what they should be. Amen. When we enter into the kingdom of God, the very first thing that Jesus says is your eyes will be opened and you'll begin to see the kingdom of God like you've never seen it before. And listen, if we're going to be kingdom builders, 
We've got to see it before we can seize it. We have to see we have to see things. We have to see beyond the natural. We have to see beyond what is before us and the temporary and the circumstances and the situations. Like Jesus, let, let me tell you something. Jesus saw everything differently than everybody else around him. He saw, listen, he saw everything as alive. They told him there was a dead girl. He said, no, she's sleeping. Literally, she was dead. Physically, we know she was dead. But what was he thinking? What was he seeing? He saw life. Lazarus is dead. No, he's sleeping. That's a, that's a demon-possessed woman. She's got seven demons. She's free. That's a lonely woman at a well. Nobody loves her. Nobody likes her. Everybody's rejected her. I see her as someone God loves. He walked through life seeing things differently. We live in a world of darkness. It's disgusting. We live in turmoil. We live in fighting and fussing and political upheaval and uh, racial injustices and, and, and things just being blown out of proportion. But listen, church. It's easy for us to say, oh, the world, this is awful. Oh, this is so godless. Oh, this is just, just, just the worst thing. But listen, listen, here's what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Paul said there, he said, we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I know what it looks like in the natural, but you've got to see beyond that. You've got to see the life of God. You've got to see the power of God. You've got to see the promise of God. When, you, when the Spirit comes, you will see the kingdom. And everything that is out of whack and everything that is in darkness and everything that is a lie in the natural, those things are true. That's what the truth is. But we see beyond that. And so, it's dead. No, it's alive. Come on. We're talking about being kingdom people, man. If we're going to build the kingdom, we got to get a new set of eyes. And stop seeing things as a hopeless, beyond repair, can't be changed, can't be transformed. And see it for what it is in the eternal realm. Just like Jesus. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we've got to start looking at things like Jesus looked at them. And get our eyes open. Amen, church? So, we need to embody the mission, like walk it out. Everywhere we go, we bring the kingdom of God to bear in this room, in this problem, in this opportunity, in this life. And as we go, our eyes have got to be shifted to see things that look hopeless and look beyond repair as fully alive. Amen. The third thing has to do with warfare, and we need to engage the enemy of the kingdom. 
Jesus made a statement in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And as I was restudying this scripture, I was reminded all over again of how various translations have translated this differently, and there's different commentaries and different thoughts about, was he talking about spiritual warfare, or was he talking about the fact that there is a revival, a resurgence of people seeking violently the kingdom of God, and, and the violent take it by force, and, and so there's a difference of opinion, but I, I, I still, the truth of the, the matter is, is that there is, a kingdom, there is a kingdom of light, and there is a kingdom of darkness. And as we move forward, I don't want us to look at this when Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence. I don't want us to think of that in the sense of a victim, like we're being beat up, like all hell is coming against us. And we, that, That's not the essence of the whole scripture. We, as we move forward victoriously in the name of Jesus, doing the work of Jesus, all hell is going to break loose against us. That's a fact. But don't get it wrong when he said suffers violence like, oh, we're a bunch of you know, pitiable suffering people. It's not. That's why he's saying we endure it. We experience. But listen, but the violent take it by force. The enemy can be vicious toward us and try to hinder us and stop us and to squelch every effort in our lives, but we are not going to let him get the victory. We're going to take the victory. We're going to take it. Now, I started this thing by reading where Jesus said, fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And, and that, that speaks of receiving and, and, and almost a passive thing like, God wants to give me the kingdom. So what is it? Do I receive the kingdom or do I take the kingdom? Yes. The answer is yes. You receive it because that is God's will for you to have it. But there are places and there are circumstances and there are seasons where you're going to have to stand on your uh, hind legs. I don't know what I'm even saying right now. You're going to have to stand on your feet. Stand your ground as Paul called it in Ephesians chapter 6 verse, verses... Um, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, 18. Well, we're going to check Isaac later. And no, no Jesus. Poor Isaac. He, he's, my, he's, he's my good straight man. So, But yeah, I think Paul said you've got to stand your ground in the evil day and having done everything to be found standing. And so what I'm saying is that if we're going to be kingdom builders, we're going to have to do it like... Um, like when Nehemiah was building the wall, they had a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. And so we're working, but we're warring. And we're warring, but we're working. Because we're building something. And we can never lose sight of that. Listen, don't be surprised when everything breaks down and when everybody has a bad attitude, and when 
the weather and the smoke blow in. And I mean, do not be surprised. You should be more surprised if nothing is going wrong. You should be almost like something's wrong if something's not going wrong. <laughs> that's, what, that's how we really should be. Well, I've been really facing warfare. Well, no duh. You're a child of God. You're a builder of the kingdom, and all hell is trying to stop it. So as we build, we have to battle. We have to stand our ground and know that, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I've got my notes mixed up, sorry. Jesus faced it. Everywhere he went, he faced resistance. You're going to face it too. They wanted to stone him. That wasn't just people having a bad day. That was hell trying to stop him. The Pharisees were plotting to kill him. That wasn't just, you know, religious people, you know, just being ornery. That was the enemy trying to stop him. You know, you look at the natural circumstances of life and you have, to, you have to realize and understand there is a warfare going on. And what am I going to do? Live in defeat? Accept these situations that I'm experiencing in my life as, you know, just, oh, you know, this is just awful. Nothing goes my way. If you're a child of God, he's trying to ensure that nothing goes your way. Daniel, in the first service in the transition, referred to that passage in Joshua chapter 10 where Joshua was doing battle as God instructed him to do, but it was going long, and the sun was going down, and Joshua, just in a, a moment of just authority, I guess, and desperation, said, son, son, stand still. Daniel was pointing out this principle that he spoke to the circumstance and God, I think Daniel's explanation was, and God responded to his command, to the circumstance. He was engaged in warfare. Things weren't going right. He didn't say, God, if it be thy will, stop the sun in the sky. He didn't, he didn't really pray. Go and check it out for yourself. That's not what he did. He said, son, stand still. And the Bible said it did. Amen. That's how you do battle. You take authority over the situations because we're about building a kingdom. So what, what are, some, where are some areas that you're looking around your life where the enemy is going unchallenged? Where are some things, like when David walked up onto the battlefield that day, young man, and he heard this giant berating the army of the Lord, the Lord's army, and they just took it for 40 days. They took a verbal beating for 40 days. And they were paralyzed with fear. And David comes up on this, and he's like, what? Why? 
Why are you standing around here letting this liar and this uncircumcised fellow control your emotions and control who you are and run your life? And he's like, not on my watch. And he wasn't even a part of the army. And then Saul, when he finally relents and says David could go out and fight, he tries to equip him with his armament. This is, this is funny. It's like, I won't go and fight him, but here, here's all my ideas. Here's all my you know, ways of doing things. You do it this way. And David's like, if it isn't working for you, it isn't working for me. We try. People, people don't want to do something, but they want you to do something the way that they did something. David's like, I don't need it. I got rocks. I got stones. I got a sling. But more, I've got God. Amen. I've got God. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Listen, everywhere Jesus went, Satan was right there trying to keep people bound and in their darkness and in their hopelessness, and Jesus knew it was a battle, and the devil was against him, but God was with him. Satan is coming against you, but God is with you. David knew that. Jesus lived that. Let's do it too, amen? Come on, are we good out there? I don't know what I'd keep doing to my notes. The Lord may be trying to just say, go longer, Tim, go longer. No, I'm sure that's not it. My final point. Okay, so uh, number four is uh, we need to, if we're going to be a kingdom builder, we need to expand the influence of the kingdom in the earth. Enlarge it. Expand it. Be a presence everywhere we go. When we leave here, we're the kingdom of God. Wherever we go, we can see things the way God sees them. Because if you're going to seize it, you've got to see it. Without vision, people perish, right? And then as we go, know this, that whenever you bump up against stuff, understand there's warfare. But as you keep pressing forward, seek to be an influence in the world. And this is different from being an impact. You can have impact and you can impress people with something you made or something you did, but we want to have a permeating effect in the earth today, just like Jesus did. And Jesus gives us this instruction, and I want to read this in its entirety, and I will, I will close just after I read this and then a few more minutes. But he says in Luke chapter 10, verse, verses 1 through 11, it says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Let me just stop right there and just say, previously, he had, he had sent out the 12 disciples, and they came back having done everything the Lord told them to do. And then later, he chose 70 others to go out, and we'll read about what he had them do. And I read yesterday, and I didn't know this before, 
But the number 70 to the people of the Jewish mind represented the nations of the earth. And so I think what Jesus is saying, it's a picture. I didn't just appoint and anoint the 12, but I've appointed and anointed the nations, the church. And he said, I've chosen. And so he he appointed 70 others also, and they went two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. I want you to know something. Jesus wants to show up in places. He has a, he has a plan and a desire to go there, but he needs his people to get there. We saying, we need a move? God says, I need you to move so I can move. Amen. And so then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Listen, Jesus says the harvest is great. It's ready. It's just dying to be harvested. The problem isn't in the harvest field. It's in the harvesters. Come on. We think the, wor- the problem is out there in the world. Jesus didn't say that. He said it is ripe. It is ready. The issue is I, I can't get the workers. If there's a harvest out there, you could lose the crop. I need to mobilize. I need my disciples. I need my builders to be mobilized. That's why he said, I need you to pray. You got to pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. I love this. Check this out. To send out. Everybody say send out. To send out laborers. That word send out in in the Greek literally is the same word when it says that Jesus cast out demons. Jesus wants to cast out some Christians. And it might be a little easier for him to cast out demons than to cast out Christians. But that's what he said. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest to cast out, to send out harvesters. And then he says, go your way. Go your way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. That's our warfare. Like, I love this. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, I think is a lunch pail, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the labor is worthy of his wages. You don't have to go from house to house. In other words, you don't have to run around looking for provision. Wherever you are, I'll take care of you. I will provide just what is laid before you, what is given to you, the things that come your way. Look at that as my provision in your life. And he says, when you're along the road and you're going to these cities, I don't want you to get distracted. Don't stop and greet and talk to people along the way. Don't get distracted. Stay the course. Stay on board. 
Fulfill your calling. Fulfill your ministry. Amen. And he says, do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, they will receive, uh, and they receive you. Eat such thing is set, it, that is set before you. And then look at this. He says, and heal the sick while you're there. And say to them that the kingdom of God has come. I love that. And heal the sick. If there's a sick person, heal them. I think by God's grace, we're going to talk about healing next week. Like Jesus healed. But I love that. Heal the sick. Just heal them. He didn't say, pray that I will do it. I love that. You do it. And we'll talk about that and what that means. And whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, I don't know, I may have lost you, Sherry, I'm lost myself. And whatever city you enter, I'm, I'm nearing the end here, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, I love that word, don't you? Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. Jesus says, I just want you to go. I've sent you. Now, Jesus has sent us, but are we going? That's the question. And are we trusting him to provide, or are we getting distracted? Oh, I got I to gotta make this first. I got to get all this money. I got to get this in, you know, I got to make a living here, and I got to get all my finances in order here. And the Lord's like, no, I want you to do what I told you to do. You don't even need to take a knapsack. You don't need to take a lunch pail. You don't need to even worry about extra shoes. I just can't imagine that. But you don't have to worry about that. I'll take care of you. Don't get distracted. Have a burning desire to reach people, to turn people to Jesus. And if they don't receive you, listen, some do, some don't. Don't get discouraged. Brush off the dust and just keep going forward. Amen. Amen. I think that's all. Let's, let's come on up here. Amen. I, I pray that God will raise us up as a force to be actively building the kingdom of God and to just do it. That's what Jesus did when he was here. That's what he wants to do. And by the way, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he does do the building, but he does the building. And the next phrase was, but I give you the keys of the kingdom. He puts us all together, but he gives us the ability to do it. He wants us to do it. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And there are things that are going to happen through you. And by the way, 
If not you, then who? Come on. I mean, at some point, we got to really ask that question. If not me, then who? Who are we talking about? Because you can leave it up to somebody else, but that's not building. That's not being a true disciple. Not leaving it out anyway, I should say. And so we need to do that. Amen. I know I said, I said we need to do that. We're not supposed to talk like that. Like, you should do that. But I said it, and I'm not taking it back. Let's stand together. If we have the prayer team, could you come, please, and be ready to pray? And I want to encourage you today. We just, a moment ago, Jesus said, and heal the sick. If you're here today and you are sick in body or if you've got pains and things about your being that you would like God to touch you, then I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer today. Um, if there's anything about what we talked about here, about being born again, you know, having your vision opened, and or, you know, just maybe you're in some spiritual struggles, these folks can pray with you. If you don't know what your ministry is, says Jesus appointed the 70, well, I don't know what I'm appointed to. What am I appointed to do? And you'd like to know what God's appointment is for your life. At least we can pray with you and ask. And Jesus said, if you ask, it'll be given to you. So could you do this with me? Could you raise your hands like this in a receiving manner? And let me just, let me just pray for us here this morning. Lord, we lift up our hands today in your presence. And we thank you that you have ministered to us already this morning from the from the very beginning god your presence was so real here thank you for showing up today god we know that you always do but thank you lord for your presence thank you lord for this word and the promise of this word that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom and i just pray lord that with our hands lifted up in a receiving manner lord that we would receive afresh and anew that your kingdom has come and that your will is being done. And God, that we would be a kingdom-minded people and that we would be laborers in the harvest field. Lord, the problem isn't in the field, but it may be in our own heart and our own willingness. And Lord, we want to receive the kingdom. We want to see with fresh eyes. We want a war with a heart of endurance. We want to embody the mission, God, to realize that when we walk into the room, you walk into the room. And whatever you're doing, we're doing. We receive it now, Lord, I pray. And God, help us to live it out every day. Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you for your goodness. Bless us as we go our separate ways today in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great day.